0: Nathan Ritzenhine, welcome to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mario. I'm looking forward to it. So right now, we are about two months out from Boston. You're in Florida. What are things looking like for you these days?
1: Yeah, um, I, I escaped the great north, <laughs> finally. Um, I, I got down here to Florida uh, about a week ago, and... Man, it was brutal the first, uh, the first couple weeks, uh, of the, of the build up training. Um, I, then I had some good weather, um, and then I got out of there just in time because it's been really nasty again. so, uh, um, I'm pretty much up to full training now and I'm feeling good. And, uh, I just kind of, yeah, I'm just getting into a really good groove right now, actually, and laying down the base layer in my tan down here, <laughs> um, as well. So, um, but I, I feel, I feel great, actually, so that's, uh, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in a really good spot about, yeah, eight weeks out, nine weeks out.
0: And what's full training looking like for you these days? You've recently joined the Hanson's Brooks Distance Project. You're working with Keith and Kevin Hanson. I'm assuming they're directing the show right now. You're 35 years old. This is your second Boston Marathon, so what, what does what does full training look like for Dathan Ritzenheim these days?
1: Yes, yeah, I'm definitely in a different position than a lot of the people that come into the program um i've known you know i've known keith and kevin for so long uh, i ran um i ran against some of their first guys you know in, in 1999 when they had a uh, they had some races that they didn't have any sponsorships other than through the stores they were just kind of trying to give guys the opportunity um, after uh, after college coming out who didn't have the opportunity to sign any contracts and stuff I was just a young high school kid, really. Um, and so, uh, now though, being 35, yeah, it's funny. I've, I, you know, I've been out and been to college, been all over different, you know, different coaches, different training groups, and moved back to Michigan about four years ago and, uh, five years, four years ago. And, um, uh, and yeah, just, you know, I started working on that with them here this, uh, this past year. and. They've been really great so far, so I'm I'm just a little different, you know, because a lot of the guys coming out are young guys right out of school, Um, and so I guess I come at it with a whole lot of experience and a whole lot of different um, different things that I've done in the past, Um, and you know this will be my, I guess this will be my, I started 11 marathons and I finished nine of them, so um, once in Boston and. And so, but I'm excited to kind of learn what's different, you know, what they do differently. And, um, I've, I've trained for the marathon in different ways, but for me now, it's, uh, the last two were really rough. <laughs> and so I've kind of changed some things a little bit. Um, uh, I was, you know, healthy for, uh, the trials, but, um, kind of short on training. I had a couple little things that were, um, had like a, a neck problem that popped up and, uh, just kind of like some strange things, that um, and I think I underestimated the heat a little bit, obviously. Um, and then I was really fit going into the last marathon in, in New York, but uh, but I developed plantar problems, and it it was just trying to get to the line, really. Um, and then sure. the plantar ruptured, ruptured, you know, at the about 18, 19 miles, and so so I'm changing things a little bit, and I'm trying to just the biggest thing for me is to stay healthy going to the line, and so. Um, You know, and this is different even for Keith and Kevin. I mean, I'm I'm training six days a week instead of seven, but uh, from a running standpoint, but I'm cross training quite a bit, um, especially on that um, it, uh, the day that I take off, um, I, I cross train a lot. And so, um, they you know their their philosophy for the marathon is cumul- having a cumulative fatigue of, over the course of the three months leading up to it. And so, I'm trying to walk the balance between doing that and staying healthy and so we're just trying to get like so for me like it's 100 and 105 110 miles a week basically in six days so it's still a pretty substantial amount of running in six days um and then uh and then a few hours of cross training per week and so i I am training as much as i ever have it's just a little differently i guess
0: yeah what is the what does the cross training look like for you specifically right now
1: well when I was building up over the last four weeks or so to full full training uh i did a lot of it on my bike at home um and then i have a uh uh type type thing uh on a trainer as well and so I would do a lot of it on those um and and then and then I was training on my Alter G too for like 15 to 20 miles a week. Um, so now that I'm down here, I'm not using that. So I got to make sure I stay on soft stuff. There's some great turf fields, uh, right around the, uh, about five, 10 minutes away from the, uh, house we're staying at. So I can, I can do a lot of my second running on that. But the, uh, but down here there's the, I, use the bike, uh, they have an elliptical and we're lucky there's a pool in the back. So I've been doing some, Aqua jogging in the back of the pool too, and so uh, some of that's therapeutic uh, as well. Because I'm actually doing a little bit more, but I think getting in and getting that hydrostatic pressure is a good thing for the body, especially when it's hot down here and trying to make me cool off at the end of the night and try to flush a little bit out so I can sleep good and, and rest good and be ready for the next day's training.
0: Now, a lot, a lot of marathoners at this point of their training are heading to altitude. Then they'll come down before Boston and Hanson's have always taken a pretty unique approach in that they go to Florida for their pre Boston training. Can you talk a little bit about the reasoning behind that?
1: Yeah. So for the, for Keith and Kevin, there's, there's two parts, but one of them is uh, that it's very, it's very easy and convenient um, to come straight down to Florida for, for me, even from Grand Rapids, uh, which is not a huge airport. Uh, there's multiple flights a day direct to Orlando area. And so we come down and and Claremont, uh, kind of where we train is great. I mean, like I, I've, I was, you know, I had never been down here to train. It's been, it's awesome. There's a, there's a few spots that, I mean, it, it looks like Kenya. Like you wouldn't think there's hills in, uh, in central Florida. There's some big, big ass hills uh, that are on this loop and it's this red earth that's soft you know like in the orange groves and so it's a great place for uh, for you know longer stuff or just easy training and then I found a great rail trail here uh, I did a long workout yesterday where it's shaded and so even if it gets like yesterday was oppressively hot and humid so you know you're know, running slower but it was nice and shaded um, so that helped a lot and so uh, they you know they want me to find the pace that feels right for the marathon and so at the, at altitude you know you you have to adjust that and you have to adjust to that um at uh at in the heat and humidity as well so I, I feel like you probably run a similar um you know similar a pace it's just um you know it, it's it's a different uh, stressor that affects the pace i guess and so um and so that that's the biggest reason though it's it's definitely Um, getting out of michigan first of all and then you go to a lot of places this time of year unless you go to really unless you go to kenya or ethiopia even a lot of places in the u.s i mean you can get some some pretty crappy weather in in, uh, flagstaff or uh, boulder or wherever but you get a lot of nice days too and and so i think it's just
0: about consistency more than anything it's like the e-10 of the east Coast. Wow, well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, you had mentioned to me in our exchange prior to this conversation that Shadrach watt is gonna be joining you in Florida soon. How will the two of you work together toward Boston?
1: Yeah, Shaddy's coming here um in about one week. And so um it was a little easier. Like I actually made the call to come down earlier. I was not gonna come down for another week, but I, it was the weather was bad and I just I told my wife, I was like what do you think if I go down two weeks earlier and then you guys just make an extra trip? Cause they're going to come down and visit. And so that's one of the nice things. It's easy for them to pop on a flight. Um, and they're, they're pretty low costs. And, um, so my family can come down and I don't have to go for more than 10 days or two weeks without seeing them, uh, for, for, uh, uh, a long weekend. And so I made that call to come down early and it was good. It was cause it's really been bad there the last week. And, um, And But Shaddy's coming, and he's coming from Sacramento, so he's had good, you know, good weather, so he didn't have to be here for that. Um, But same thing, you know, he's got two, he's got kids, I got kids, and it's just hard to be away from your family for that long. And so, um, you know, if you, if you go, I find myself that if I go for more than two weeks without seeing the family, I start to get, it starts to affect my running negatively, because then I'm, I'm missing them. I feel, you know, I feel like I'm not there as their dad and my, and the husband, and so. Um, so that's the, that's the balancing act. So I'm lucky that they get to come down and I can come a little bit longer. Shaddy, he'll have to tough it out, but it's a three, you know, I think it's, uh, we'll go straight to Boston to check out the course after, um, uh, in, in about four weeks. And so, um, I think he's going to go, he's going to, he's going to go home after that and it'll be about four weeks, um, away. So, you know, it's not, not the easiest thing. It's still, you know, so
0: that's the way it is. (laughs) Right. Building off what you just said about having your kids around and how you know being away from them for a while negatively affects your running. How important is it as an athlete to have everything else in your life in a good balance or in a good place as it relates to your running and how it might affect how your training's going? It, It sounds so
1: cliche, you know, but I mean, really attitude is everything. And if you are if you're in a bad place or you're thinking about a lot of other things, uh, it, it just detracts from it. And so like, you know, every day I've, I've, I've been really motivated and, um, ready to tackle this, you know, this marathon. And I've had a great four or five weeks of doing that already. And, and I just feel really focused. Um, uh, but it's something that the part of the training camp is, is good for. Um, but yeah, it becomes a negative if it, if it goes so long that, you know you're starting worrying about not being there for the family and stuff and so just having having a goal and and revolving things around that um it it's it's pretty well it's pretty much key but you know having a balance in life is it's it's hard uh to do in a sport like this when it's it's a very selfish sport so like I'm blessed to have a wife that i mean she works now full time too which she didn't used to, and so she takes on a lot more than even she used to when I traveled a lot. And so, um, you know, I have a, I have a, I'm lucky to have a partner that, uh, and she was a good runner, you know, so she understands that. Um, but you know, you always feel like kind of bad when you are sneaking up to take a nap in the afternoon. And, you know, uh, luckily my kids are old enough now that they can kind of fend for themselves, but I used to really struggle with that actually. Um, just feeling like I wasn't contributing enough. Um, but it's, like i say it's it's a selfish sport, and like you have to you have to basically devote um, so much time and energy to it that um, if you don't have a support system or and a family and friends that really understand that, it can be tough
0: for sure. I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about injuries. you had mentioned what you're doing now to stay healthy in terms of the balance of running to cross training. On some level, I'm still shocked that you're still in the game, given how many times (laughs) you've been injured since really, let's say college. Um, you've had stress fractures. You've had other, you know, unfortunate incidences that weren't even injuries. I remember you got an infection after a surgery Mm -hmm. at one point. Um, and you, you have just been knocked back more times than, than I can count. Um, why have you stuck with it for so long when it would have been so easy to say, you know, I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I, you know, I could go do something else with my time. I could get into coaching. Um, you know, I could treat my body a little bit better. What's kept you in the game, you know, still at 35 years old.
1: Yeah. I I'm, I'm, I guess, I guess the, you know, I, 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 when I think back on it, um, it, it seems, uh, not that it seems normal, like it, now if those things happen, but I've, I've kind of always dealt with them, I guess, for the last, um, yeah, basically, since I was a fresh, freshman, sophomore in college. And so, I mean, I think I've had 15 stress fractures, probably. Um, I've had three surgeries. I've ruptured, you know, my planner. I've, I've, yeah, like a lot of, a lot of bad, negative, you know, things that are, uh, that were just, you know, like health related, uh, like the, the infection and stuff. And I, I guess, you know, like, adding them off it sounds worse. You know, in the moment, it, it's obviously difficult, but I've, I've come to, um, not embrace it, but like, I'm just the kind of person that drives on, um, on a challenge and kind of like when your back's against the wall a little bit. And so even if it's self-imposed, you know, like, and so I think I, I always look at it like, you know, obviously I'll be devastated if something happens at first, but I want to prove it to myself. A guess, that I can, I can come back from it. And I'm kind of a, you know, at 35 now, um, there's not a lot of guys on the start list I see that are younger than me. Um, usually it's usually with the exception of Obdi and Bernard. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I started training really hard when I was like, when I was really young. Um, and so uh, I've had a lot of, a lot of miles in the body and a lot of injuries over the course of time. And so, I am amazed sometimes that I, you know, I've been able to get back out there and, and keep doing it. And part of it is loving it, loving racing, but it's the challenge too. And I don't want to say that I don't like know what else to do because I do have plans in life, but uh, I've been doing it like this twice a day, uh, since I was 13 or 14, you know, and, and so it's, it's just kind of not that it's all I know, but it's what I know, I guess. And so, um, I don't you know I have plans post running, but I still am, I still generally enjoy training, and I think that's one thing. a lot of people they get sick of training. Um, they like the lifestyle, they like running, um, uh, they like going to you know races, and I love all those things. Um, but i I like the challenge and I like the way I feel when I train. So even if I'm hurt, which I've been a lot, I I train more than when I'm hurt probably than when I'm not hurt. And so that's why I think you know I come back and I come back really strong a lot. Um, I hit my I'll hit my first race really good because I've been killing myself uh in, in training and so um I it's just a passion that if you if you don't have it, it it won't matter. Um and when I when I lose it it's gone and it's gone. If I do then then I'll probably know pretty quick. Um uh, but I still have it right now and and so I got, I still have goals, and, you know, when you have goals and you enjoy what you're doing,
0: it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's not a job. It's not hard. And where do you think that comes from?
1: I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I guess maybe, like I said before, not that it's all I know, but, um, I was kind of instilled with that as a, as a young kid. My, I mean, my dad, um, took me, I started out doing triathlons. Um, I mean, we trained like when I was ten and eleven years old. I, uh, my dad, when my parents got divorced, he got on this crazy health kick, and he was a smoker and a uh, drinker, and um, and then he just tried. to wanted to change his life around, and he got completely. I mean, he was he played football and wrestled and stuff like that, and in, in high school, so it was foreign to him, and he just started. Going to local running clubs, going to triathlons, just it was kind of a, kind of like a complete one eighty in life and um you know, I lived with him and uh I just kinda got absorbed into that, I guess, and you know, like a triathlete, you know, I think uh they're they they train so much that I think I I kind of adopted that a little bit mentality uh, when I was super young that I just would start that I could do all these things I could do this much training it felt normal mm-hmm. and so I took that into I was blessed to be in a really really good program in high school that we trained like crazy uh probably with reckless abandon um and uh so that was like a natural for me so when I ran really well in in, in high school um yeah I was doing so much that uh that it wasn't so much of a surprise, but you learn it young, I guess. And so even though there's probably negatives from like a physical, physiological development standpoint, I definitely think some of the injuries I had are a result of early hard training and stuff. But, um, but mentally you develop a, you know, a pattern of thinking, I guess. And so I think that's kind of, I learned it young.
0: Yeah. I remember reading an article about, your training in high school or even before high school, uh, when your dad had gotten into triathlon and you sort of rode his coattails for a little while, you would go out every morning and run the same four mile loop. And I think the quote yeah. in the article was tempo run every day. So you were just going out and hammering this four mile loop every morning. Like what, what were you thinking when you were doing that? Like, why would you go out when most kids at, you know, in their preteen years, the last thing they want to do just go run distance, Never mind, go run four miles as hard as they could. Like what, what about that was appealing to you at that age?
1: Well, I think, you know, when I started, when I, that was between, that was in eighth grade um, and that was between track and cross country. And that's when I really got good. Um, Before that, I just trained a lot, but uh, I don't know if I showed much promise really, but I kind of, you know, like that's like when I hit puberty, you know, like you just take off, you know, like all of a sudden you're like a different runner, you know? And uh, but it was it just coincided with the time that I I had been doing all these this other training, um, but wasn't really that amazing. Uh, I think a third person on the cross country team, but I was doing all this stuff, so I probably looked like I really had no talent to the coaches back then because I was doing a ton but wasn't that good. Um, but then you know I I remember it was the time I really started getting more into running because I had ran track and I'd ran cross country, so now it was like Defined as a sport as opposed to just running in general, and so I've seen it as what can I do in track? These are the times, and so I started to be introduced to that. I think at that age, and at the same time, I I was now. This is you know like you're 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 kind of old like me. So this is when the the pre Fontaine movies came out, Mm -hmm. and I remember watching those, and those were as a as a fourteen year old kid. Like you're, I was like crazy inspired, you know, and uh that in and and so i had cross country which i always felt in the in eighth grade and i felt like all right i'm i'm training really well but i want to do way more like i'm used to doing way more than what the coaches tell me and i was i was doing all the triathlon training stuff and so you know i just said in the winter i was like i i got inspired and i was like you know i'm i'm going to do the same 4 miles every day time trial it and it was winter in michigan so it was horrible and you have limited time, so I would do this before, you know, the rest of my afternoon training. I'd get up and I'd do it and it was as fast as you could go and just see. And uh like you know, like I guess three months of uh you know, five days a week doing uh doing four mile tempo runs, I all of a sudden that was good. Like I was way like way good. Um and so I came into eighth grade and yeah, I think I ran ten twenty four or something like that and uh for the two mile and I don't remember why I ran for the mile, but um by the time I hit the summer before going into ninth grade i I know I ran sixteen low something in some five k road races, and all of a sudden I was like really good and so it was a massive transformation really quickly It seems like,
0: yeah, and not that you had a lot of control over this yourself in high school, but looking back and you just touched on this, what would you change, if anything, about your training or your Approach knowing what you know now, and given all that you've gone through in terms of injuries and all of that.
1: Oh man, we we didn't do anything easy. I guess that was the biggest thing. I don't think my volume was crazy when I started. Um, I think I probably ran about forty miles a week, north my freshman year. Um, Then maybe about sixty my sophomore year. So I started getting up there for a sophomore, and by my junior year, I think I was in the mid seventies to eighty. So I was getting up, you know, kind of pushing the envelope of what a high school kid would. But then my senior year, I'd go up to a hundred, a couple, you know, like one, at least one time. I remember I wanted to do it, but I was doing, and we worked out, we didn't do easy runs except for in the morning. And so like my, I can, I still can say the exact schedule, what it was all summer long. And we would start the day, you know, like the Monday after the state, you know, the track meet, uh, state track meet was over. We'd. Hmm. Monday was mile repeat at the cross country course on the park. Tuesday we'd go to the ski slopes and we would there well, there is ski slopes in Michigan and uh, we would do hill repeats, uh, which were up to six eight hundred meters uh, hill repeats. Uh, and so that was so we go Monday hill re- or mile repeat, uh, Tuesday hill repeats. Then Wednesday we'd go to the track and there was a the big track club. Um, we do shorter intervals, like 800 and below for the most part. We do crazy stuff. Like my senior year, we did 32 times 400. And everybody did it. Like, I mean, old people too, you know. And so, like, it just took forever, I remember. And then Thursday, we would do like a, you'd almost consider like a speed development. We do 100 on, 100 off, like in a field. Um And it was basically turn you know, like 20 minutes of doing this. And then usually Friday we would go kind of like just the easier run. And then Saturday we'd either do a race or we'd do a long tempo and Sunday we would do a long run. And it was like every single week. And that's why we would come in, kill it right from the get go too. We didn't have any progression throughout the season. It was like, we were so fit and we'd hold it just because we were trained, you know, like above the level of everybody else. But there was no science to it. It was just yeah. intensity all the time.
0: So when you graduated and moved on to the University of Colorado, which is one of the best programs year in year out in the country, with some of the best runners in the country, did it almost feel like a step back to you in some regards, or was it harder in different ways? Yeah, I
1: didn't. I didn't know what easy training really was, other than in the mornings. I was lucky in high school. I I had a really supportive high school, and they. They let me take independent study, uh, classes where I would just run in the morning, too. So I'd get easy running in the morning, um, just to get more volume. But, like, when I, when I was visiting colleges, I visited University of Michigan, uh, University of Oregon, and the University of Colorado. And when I went, when I went to, I loved, I thought I was going to go to Michigan, actually. Like, I loved Ron, um, and Warhart, the coach there, and he was awesome. And Alan came, a uh, web came on his recruiting trip at the same time, and, but I remember Ron telling me, I'm going to actually take your volume down the first year. And I was like, what? Uh, that's, you know, I'm thinking, no way. I'm 18. I, I know, I know better, you know, and, uh, and the same thing. Martin Smith was the coach at Oregon at the time. And he he, uh, he said, you're not, you're definitely not going to run any more than you already are. And, and so then Mark, uh, when I went to see you, it was really more of a distance program and I wanted to do the distance. Um, and so, he at least told me, "Well, you can kind of start where you're at," and so it's like, "All right, well, that's that at least is better to me." So, <laughs> um, you know, being just being foolish, you know, I wanted—that's I, what I wanted—but I really clicked with the guy so much there um, that it didn't matter. But I was coming into a team where, when I was in high school, I was I was the man by a lot. I mean, I won the national championship races by a lot, and so I I didn't really know how to go easy still. And when you go in college, and you know, I had really good guys on the team. Jorge Torres was uh, second in the NCAA championship the, the, the my freshman year, and so he's a teammate of mine. And man, he could kill me on some on some workouts, but but I was good enough that I could I could pretty much hang on anything long. And uh, but it just it catches up to you in college because now you're you're with every level you get up to you know go to high school then to college then to you know professional it gets harder every level uh because there's always good people and you're always racing uh or training with good people and so i i, I, started, I broke down after the fresh back my freshman year and I finally i was like indestructible before that and i was i just you know i've i've been Like I said before, all the injuries I've had since then, um, you know, like reckless abandon only works for so long.
0: You just mentioned Alan Webb and how you guys were looking at Michigan at the same time. He ultimately went there. Um, But your senior of high school, it was you, Alan Webb, Ryan Hall, sort of the big three of American high school distance running. And I'd argue started you know, sort of a renaissance in terms of, uh, American competitive distance running your senior year, uh, footlocker cross country championships, fall of 2000, you're going in as the reigning champion. So it's you, it's Alan Webb, who everyone's wondering if he's going to be the next high schooler to break the four minute mile. And then you've got Ryan Hall, who's also knocking on the door of four minutes. Let's talk about that race specifically. What was going in, going through your head, going into it? Um, and looking back at it, you know, what significance, uh, has that race played not only in your career, but do you think for American distance running?
1: I, well, I think, you know, like going, obviously going into that race, uh, I should have been super confident based on where I was. And I mean, I had, I, mean, I ran under 15 minutes so many times that my, that year, and I had ran. 8:41 41 as a junior and four Oh five. And, um, and then my training was so much higher. And, and I came, I ran the state meet beforehand. I ran 1410 for a 5k, which is, I think, you know, like it, it was crazy fast. And, and I ran super fast at the regional. And so going in, you know, like it was like a, you know, kind of like a freight train, uh, there was no stopping you kind of thing. But in the back of my mind, you know i i got super super nervous as the race got closer because like i said it it gets harder every level you get up to and not that it was a total surprise winning the year before but i definitely felt the target on the back uh this time and and alan was so good um that uh i guess i mean i was i just was out of my mind nervous going into it and and, you know, Ryan, everybody said, Ryan, like, his times at Mount Sac and stuff, I remember, I don't remember where you're in, but I just remember knowing these guys are really good. So, like, I mean, I'm killing it, but, you know, I just, did, I still didn't have the confidence, I guess, that I, you know, that I maybe would have later in life. But, like, and that's part of being younger and dealing with things differently. But, like, I just, gosh, I remember being so nervous. Um And I know that my coach, he wanted he, you know, I've just been dominating everything. I mean, just, bull, you know, go out and just, no one's even close to you. So you're just, basically, you're running against yourself. Well, and then you just can't do that against good people like that. And so he wanted me to wait, I remember, in the race. And I was just like, what? why would I do that? You know, like, and uh, so we did a lot of that stuff in practice, actually, going into it um, in that last uh, two months ton of stuff where we would just surge basically as fast as you could possibly go. Um, and then try to, uh, come back into something, you know, like, uh, like a tempo type stuff. And so he would do the thing with the the whistle workout where he'd blow the whistle and you just run as fast as you can and you don't know how long it's going to be. And so it was like training like a racehorse or something, you know, like they, and so we did that stuff and, uh, I was super nervous going into the race and we were sitting around and, and it was just like, man, what am I doing here? And then, but I knew the plan was to go at a mile and it was just like, take off as fast as you can and don't look back and don't just, don't let them get back on you kind of thing. And, and, uh, and so it was, I had no idea that I had pulled away that much either. Like, I mean, I was like in the tunnel vision and uh just kind of running scared more than anything. And, and, uh, yeah, they they were so good that you know uh, I just I just didn't think that it was possible to to run away like that, and so I should have based on where my training was. I mean, my training was amazingly uh, good, but but still, you know, it's just uh, it was hard to hard to have the confidence before that.
0: One of the things I've always been amazed at. Um, from you is just how hard you can push yourself in a race and there's video of that footlocker race online which i'll link to in the show notes and then i think it was 2003 cross-country championships against ryan hall where you came back in the last i think it was quarter mile maybe 600 meters uh to pull out the win there and you crossed the finish line and you are just completely spent and i think it was your high school coach brad prins in a sports illustrated article he said you know in a workout or race you know, be the first lap and he could hear you breathing so hard from all the way across the track and you would just hold on to it the the entire way. Um so that's not atypical for you, but in your own mind, what's the deepest that you've ever dug in a race where you were just completely shattered afterward, physically, emotionally and otherwise?
1: I uh, I probably the the NCAA, two thousand three um uh, championships, um And that was, um, you know, Mark Wetmore used to say, there's only so many times someone can go to that place. And that was one of them. I mean, I don't know if I could do that again to tell you the truth. Like it was one of those things where I was kind of battling demons, you know, and, um, I, I had been hurt for a year straight at that point and really only been healthy for, uh, and training for, I think I started running, um, when we were out at camp, um, which, so, I mean, I was maybe like 10 weeks before the NCAAs and it was like, and I hadn't ran hardly. I think I'd ran for three out of the last 12 months before that. And, and, uh, and I don't, I didn't have the experience that I have with cross training and things now. So, um, and I was like seriously low on the base fitness because if the race had been a week earlier, I feel like I could have actually, uh, been, maybe stronger but i was like deteriorating in fitness i felt like uh um in the last week and uh and it did take me so long to recover from i mean it took me like months uh and i think part of it was emotionally um as much as anything um and so i mean i had to go like because ryan was so fit and so like i felt like he was toying with me in the race i mean he would surge and he would uh and I and he'd he turned turn and he'd look back I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy's gonna slaughter me um I just kept thinking the whole time. And uh but I just I I have I mean I haven't I don't know, I haven't um I had an ability. I guess I I like to think it's still in there. It's just I haven't taken that uh that um that out in a while, I guess. Um, because uh there's been, yeah, like I'd say if i Five big times where you feel like, man, am I going to die? <laughs> with this. Um, and that was one of them. I think that was probably
0: the worst, for sure. You've raced really well on the track, on the roads, and cross country, as we've talked about a few times here. But I mean, I'd argue that you you have always been at your best on a cross country course. And I know it's been a few years since you've raced cross country seriously, but would you agree with that assessment?
1: Yeah, I, I do well on that. I mean, it's like a it's just part of it's the distance. I mean, like I'm really good. Like, like you said before, I mean, like when, if I could kind of push it at a high level, like I can, I can just kind of put the hammer down and go. Um, so I can do that though. I'm comfortable. on well, I used to be comfortable on those uneven surfaces and soft surfaces. And I kind of just had a good feel of, of that, you know, like it's just, it's like a, it's like an art learning it, you know, like, it's an art to learn to hammer around turns and up and down hills. And, uh, and some people, it just, it completely feels unnatural to them, but we used to do a lot of our stuff on that when I was young. And I think it was kind of ingrained in me young. Um, and so now I don't do, um, uh, I just don't do it a whole lot just because I have from an injury standpoint who would love to get back to doing it. It's just, uh, man. Like my body starts, it, it feels like it can do certain things, but I, I know like, uh, I got like some arthritis things and stuff like that, that I don't know how they would respond, uh, to hammering a cross country course. It's not to say I want, wouldn't do it again, but, um, I miss it too, because it was really what you had to fall in love with first. And, um, uh, and so, yeah, if I could, who knows, I might come back out one more year, we'll see. Um, I think it's, you know, it's it's something you don't forget. It's like learn, like riding a bike, I think. So because I've been able to kind of step away for a couple of years and, and then come back and be really good at it again. And so, yeah, maybe I'll come back and still do it.
0: <laughs> so there's talk of cross-country getting potentially added to the Olympic program in the coming years. Would that bum you out if you're retired at that point and they add cross-country to the program?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I'd be happy. I'd just be happy to see it in there. Uh, I would feel like I missed out on an opportunity for me personally, but you know I'm happy. I mean I've made three teams. I'm hoping to make four, and yeah, I wish I I, I wish I could be in that. But even then, I like I didn't do World Cross as much as I. Sometimes I look back and I wish I would have done more World Cross and things like that. But um, but I can't I can't look back with regret either. I mean I've done so many things, you know. But man, I wish. Yeah, I wish it, you're right. That would be pretty cool to be on a team. And I, to tell you the truth, like, I, if it was a compromise, I mean, I mean, I've made a lot of my world, you know, world teams uh, or Olympic teams in the 10k. But I'd rather see a 10k cross country course probably than a 10k on the track.
0: So, yeah. Let's fast forward a little bit through your career to summer of 2009. Uh, you had been training with Brad Hudson, and you moved up to. Oregon to train with Alberto Salazar in the Nike Oregon Project, and there's stuff there that we won't talk about. But I want to talk about what happened right when you got there from a performance perspective. You were sixth at the World Championships in the ten in the ten thousand. You set an American record in the five k, and then you ran sixty flat in the half marathon, all within a very short period of time. What was it about that change that kind of spurred something in you and helped lead to some of those performance breakthroughs?
1: Yeah, that was definitely like, you know, I probably like to think of it like my physiological peak, um, and but everything was going perfect too. I think, and like we talked about it earlier too, attitude is everything. And I was like crazy excited um, uh, that summer and fall, and I was like, I felt like I was finally where I wanted, where I was trying to get to, um, and it was the opportunity, and I was like, kind of seize it, you know. And, uh, I had trained, you know, I, I'd started the marathon early, um, pretty young. And, and so with Brad, we did so much long, long work. I mean, really my highest, you know, highest volume weeks, um, and highest, hardest long runs and things like that I did with Brad. And so that, um, coming into that, that winter, uh, was coming off from the Olympic, uh, marathon and, I really, I was like bound and determined to run two oh seven in the marathon, and so we wanted to go to London, and uh, that was the the goal was go there, run fast. And I was doing crazy good workouts. Um, I did have a few little, you know, like sicknesses and stuff. But I mean, I was good. I did some like some long workouts, like twenty miles at four fifty three pace. You know, like in the middle of hard training, stuff like that. Just crazy stuff and. But I, as a result, I ended up going in just a little dinged up and, um, and so when I, when I went there and I was on 207 pace through 20 miles and, and completely just cramped up and, you know, came in, ran 210 flat. And I was really kind of devastated, you know, like with that. I just thought, man, I'm, you know, like I'm 26. Like this is the time that I got to really, you know, go for it and. And so I had been with Brad for five years, and and so I was like, I had known Alberto for, uh gosh, you know, like since I had first, uh, you know, turned professional years before. He had tried to get me to come out there, and and so I was like, I need to, I need to make this change, and uh, and so that was what he wanted me to do. He said, like, he said, I don't want you, we, I want you to go back to the track. Um, You're still young, and we're going to focus on speed and. We did. I mean, it was speed like I have never done before. I mean, it was so. I was doing workouts that. I mean, I was fairly fast. I ran 8:11 for two miles with Brad when I, a couple of years before. So it was like there. That was, I, I had that ability, but I was running that off from like this pure strength and uh and just getting better as I each year. But this was like, I mean. I was, I was, you know, like super excited, just like it was, we went to training camps, we went to San Marist, um, And I was doing stuff that was like, I mean, I was doing intervals where I would run uh six, you know, five or six miles worth of intervals at close to four minute pace. Some of it, you know, and it was a lot of rest, which I wasn't used to, but it was like, I was basically just taking money out of the bank from all that work that I did with Brad basically. And, I knew going into the uh, world championships that I was in great shape, but because I ran, we did a time trial up in San Marat, um, six days out from the, uh, from the world championships. And I ran 1344 uh, at 6,000 feet for a 5k, um, you know, just a week before the, the world championships. And that's, I was like, man, I'm pretty fit, you know, and so then I went in, and, and uh, I ran really well. It was kind of a slow first half, but I closed, like, it was a fast second half, and it was hot, and so when I ran 27-22, I was six there, I mean, I knew I was, like, in some 27-minute type shape, mm-hmm. and so um, so when I went to Zurich 11 days later... Uh, I mean, my mileage was down to, like, 60 miles a week at that point. And I was just – I felt like a middle-distance runner. And I was doing, like – I was doing 300, you know, for me, which was really fast, and 41. And, um, you know, I could run 26 seconds for 200, you know, like kind of consecutively over and over again, which, for me, I'd never been close to doing that. And I'm doing – you know, I can do these kind of workouts. And so I – really felt like I was in, like, low 13-minute shape, but um, there was nothing else to do. It's <laughs> so, like you just hop on the train and you just go, and it's all it was just, you know, just believe, just stay in contact, just stay in contact, and because we were out, like, right from the get-go, but you know, like, I think it was 4.06 for the first mile, you know, and it was like, well, if you, it's a lonely world if you get dropped here, and so I just keep, you know, I would run as fast as I could to stay in contact. But it was like just hanging on for dear life. And, uh, it was one of those races where it's kind of almost like an out of body experience. I was so confident, like riding such a high going in that, um, that you, like you get done and, and I finished, I closed in two, two minutes and ran 1256 and broke the American record. But it's like you could feel it all happening. It was like a, it was like a storm happening, you know? And, uh, I don't think I could possibly replicate it just because it was as much mental as it was physical. Um, and, uh and that was like my bottom ability, you know, like the, as far as fast as I could go, like I could probably do something like that, at which I felt like I did at the world half, you know, again, but it was like, I couldn't re- replicate anything faster. I felt like it was like a perfect race. And so I really had, you know, my plan was to go and run the 10 K at, the non-down meet and try to break 27, but uh, they didn't have it for the first time in forever. And so we kind of switched focus and we're like, go for a half marathon. And it was six weeks to the world half and was a little bit tactical, but I mean, I got third place there and I mean, I I ran 60 flat, but I was way fitter. I mean, I, I was probably, I probably could have ran low 59s. I mean, I was just like on fire, you know? And so it was just like, as much mental as anything, I guess.
0: Do you on any level feel like you've been searching for that feeling since then?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I guess, um, I felt like that was kind of the, the pinnacle of my, you know, like where I wanted to get. And I felt like it would be easy to stay there, I guess. And it's not, (laughs) uh, I guess, uh, from a long-term perspective it just it was so intense that um it wasn't sustainable for me i guess and so um when i look back like that's part of the reason why i think i'm still running solid at 35 is not that i've taken down back the intensity but um i'm not searching for something anymore i'm i'm enjoying it um i'm not trying to get somewhere uh and so now, I can't say that that's the case for the couple of years afterwards. There was a lot of disappointments and stuff going from there because I felt like that hey, this is where i I've been trying to get to. I'm gonna be you know I was one of the fastest people in the world that year, and um really one of the best runners in the world and and so that I wanted i thought well, I'll just you know you kind of think like like foolishly, well, I'll just stay here for the next five six years and be you know one of those guys, but it's not as easy as that that's for sure.
0: I want to next talk about the marathon a little bit. You've run 207, as you alluded to earlier. You've, I think you've started 11, you've finished nine. Um, you've had, you know, triumph, I'd say 207 at Chicago. You know, you've missed the Olympic team by a spot in the marathon. Um, you know, you've had various issues. What is it about that event that has been so, well, that's so complex in general, but that you, have struggled to solve?
1: I think, the, you know, it, it, there's so much. That, first of all, there's so much that can go wrong. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to be someone who has excuses, but I can always come up with a reason why something happens. Like, I don't believe in coincidences in general, just in life. Like, there's always a reason. If you have a bad workout or a bad, uh, you know, you get injured, there's a reason, whether it's mental or physical there's a reason for it. Maybe you're tired and overtrained. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you haven't been eating well. Maybe you're whatever it is. So same thing in a race. I mean, they're not excuses. Um, you, even if it's a mental breakdown, you didn't put the en- the energy in during the training for the mental part. And so from a marathon, there's just so many things you can change or do because it, and little things make the biggest difference. Like it, in a half marathon if you go out too fast, you can kind of die and, you know, like at the end and you, maybe you lose 30 seconds because you're over overcooked and you don't finish well in the marathon. You can lose five, six minutes if you do that. And, uh, for the most part, (laughs) I've always just gone for it in the marathon. Like I just been someone and I've kind of been like that always, like that just in general. And so, like I say, it's easier in other things to hide, maybe hide that, um, but in the I I just swung for the fence basically every time. Uh I mean almost every marathon except for the few times I ran New York maybe. Um, I almost every one I've just gone for it, gone out sixty two fifty to sixty three thirty and be like, I'm gonna do you know. And um, even if maybe I wasn't prepared for it, um, or you know, maybe uh you know, on a great half marathoner and You know, I know that I, I burn a lot of carbohydrate. I don't, um, and so I'm maybe not as efficient, uh, at burning fatty acids. And so, you know, that, or I just haven't been able to train sometimes, um, for a long enough period of time where, um, and so I have some cramping issues and, but there's always a reason and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, that you sucked at it, but maybe my, my, um, my vision of what I was capable of or what I had put into the training wasn't quite there. But the times that I've ran really well, I've been really focused. You know, mm-hmm. like when I ran 207, uh, I mean, I was, it was like laser focus and I was really fit, healthy for a whole year. Um, and, and everything happened right. You know, um, I still faded a little at the end, though, to tell you the truth. I mean, I, I was on 206 40 pace through. 22 miles, I think. And so I slowed, but I didn't hit the wall. Um, but like the next year, I was same thing. I had been healthy, but I was overcooked. I was completely fried. I couldn't wait for that race to get done. And I was probably more fit actually than I was, uh, in 2012, but you know, like two months too early, basically. And I had a planner that was completely wrecked me and I started cramping up because I was, I was limping on it and it was, it was pretty, you know, and so there, I've been, you know, really fit before, but there's been a lot of times where, you know, something has happened and, you know, even my other good rate marathons, like I was good when I ran, well, I, I, I mean, it wasn't the most amazing uh, result, but when I was, when I ran Boston the last time, I didn't run over a hundred miles a week uh, for two years, a year and a half before that. Um, and it was just. I was just trying to get to the line, you know, and, but I was focused, you know, and like if you're focused, sometimes you can overcome those things. If you make smart decisions, it's just, it's just a complex event.
0: You're running Boston here in a couple of weeks, presumably you're going to keep going till marathon trials in 2020. What unfinished business do you have in the marathon? What would you like to accomplish before you ultimately hang up your racing flats?
1: Well, with, without a doubt, um, that's that's the focus for me now, and that was part of joining with the Hansons. Was, I mean, if I could, yeah, you could always want to go back, but you can't go back in life. Like you can't change. I'm happy with who, what, you know, what I did in the track, what I did at shorter distances. I mean, I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with who I am, where I've been, you know, all those things, mistakes I have made, you know, along the way. I'm I'm okay with that in the marathon though i just know that i i want to not necessarily it's, it's like i talked about before it's something that that drives me is kind of my back against the wall feeling like i have something to prove to myself and i feel like i have something to prove to myself still and i'm looking at it as a goal that says you know i i these last two marathons aren't going to define what i've done or and the rest of my career, I can, I'm happy with that. I can put that in my back pocket, but I want to make that fourth Olympic team. And that's how I felt in 2016. And I lost the focus on it too much. And, um, I thought that I could get there on talent alone. And, um, I, I needed that support system, I think. And so, but as a step to getting there, I need to reestablish myself and I need to step, step back forward into it because it's been, since I've had a good marathon, it's been three years now, and i've I've been really fit I mean I ran sixty twelve uh, a year and a half ago for half marathon. The ability is there, and I know it, and I can tell in my training right now I'm training healthy and someday you know a lot of the time I feel as good as ever and so but I'm focused on that as these are the stepping stones to twenty twenty and I'm not going to make the same mistake that I made in twenty sixteen where I think that I can get there and I can do it on my own. I mean, I have to have this this team to help me get there. And so that's why part of the reason why I'm so focused on this race right now. And I feel like that's leaving me in a good spot.
0: Yeah. And do you think um, with Shadi coming down to Florida there, that's going to just kind of help you take it to the next level um, that last month before Boston?
1: yeah shadi and me go like we we know each other quite a bit. we lived in Eugene at the same time um and i really I really like him he's like he's an awesome guy, and I think pretty much anybody who knows him he's he's a great guy, and he trains you know I, I i I did one of the workouts with him leading up to New York and I was like, dang this guy, he can work out man um so it's only gonna help us uh we train a little differently obviously he he can train a little bit more but he comes from that Kenyan style where they just jog, you know, like on the easy days and he jogs a ton of mileage, you know, a ton of mileage, but he can work out like crazy. I try to just because I can't do as much volume, I do a lot more stuff at a moderate effort too. So there's going to be, uh, you know, some give and take, but it's as much mental as anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like having having someone, you know, there with you. And um, I'm just, I'm thrilled to have him come down here. And I think uh, I've just, I think we both have this vision and this goal that we're looking at Boston and we're we're looking at the same path. Like we're not young guys, you know, but we want that Olympic team in 2020. And this is the step for that. And Boston is special because it's, it's the Boston marathon, but as much as anything, it's like, it's, it's proving, you know, yourself again, which it, for me, I know it's essential on the path to 2020. And I think he feels the same way because it's not easy and no one's going to hand it to you. And so you have to be able to eliminate all the things you could, you do wrong in these next two years, because from two years from now, it's, it's top three or nothing. And so that's uh, it's going to make for a good
0: training camp for us here. Two more things before we call it here. You've been doing a little bit of, coaching over the past few years, both um, collegiately, but also individually with some athletes. How has that been going for you? And what have you learned in the process of helping other people's other people work toward their own goals?
1: Yeah, it's been something that's fun for me, because I know that that's after I'm done running, that I want to do that. And I kind of thought initially, to tell you the truth, I really thought I wanted to be a collegiate coach, but not so much, I mean, I mean, and i I shouldn't say I shut the door on that, but you know, like i I helped out Andy Powell at University of Oregon for a semester. I was like, oh, man, this is the best, but he has like the best job in the world, you know, like he's train he's at the University of Oregon, you know, like he's training these distance runners, but I'm happy being at home and I'm happy being in michigan and and um, and I've been able to learn a lot from Jerry Voltus, the um, Division two coach of the year on many occasions at grand valley state university um and so like from like a fundamental standpoint of training a lot of people that's been really beneficial for me um i've done a lot more with uh just some individuals which um don grunagle she's a girl that i coach just turned 40 and she ran 235 at dim and um you know qualified for the olympic trials at 40 and um, I got a couple of young girls who are just out of school that I work with, um, uh, in Grand Rapids. And, and then I just coach some people online and it's like a broad spectrum of things. You know, like you got college kids and you got, you know, good masters runners and then you got some people just trying to make it. And then I coach a couple of people that like they want to qualify for Boston. And it's like everybody has those same goals, you know, and no one, none of those people that I'm coaching, they're, they're not like me. They, they didn't make a big living out of the sport and, um, do it as a job. I mean, it's like a passion. And it's a love. And sometimes you forget that a little bit when you're an athlete, you, you, it becomes not, a, not that you, it's all work, but it's a business, you know, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you forget that you, you lose track of that a little bit and what you start, how you started. And so that's been good for me because I see those people, and I see it work and it amazes me to tell you the truth. I get, I got a guy who's running 80 miles a week and he has a full-time job. I mean, I can't, even fathom you know having the energy or the desire to do that and so um so that's been good but it's also been a learning process because you know like for me i know what i would do and what i think but it doesn't just translate you can't just say uh this person i'm going to give 60 percent of what i would it just doesn't work like that and that was something that took me a little bit to realize actually and um and so it's been good. It's been a good experience to have these first couple of years to be able to learn that and do that um before before I'm done running and, and uh just to kind of see how different people uh adapt to training and what what works from a professional standpoint it doesn't always work for, for someone who's not at the level that I'm at either.
0: Yeah. How much has your own experience in terms of training and injuries and how you've dealt with all of that influenced your your own coaching philosophy?
1: I think That's probably one of the biggest things that I feel like I have maybe that's unique is that you can't buy that, ex- you know, that experience or you can't learn that without having gone through some of those things. Just little things, you know, like um just I've figured out how you can stay really fit when you're when because inevitably it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are or how dedicated the athlete is to the training program and recovery. They're gonna get hurt. They're gonna have things pop up. And not that I've come, I've dealt with all of them, but pretty dang near close to all of them. I just keep piling them up, and um, you know, like I know way too much anatomy and things like that for someone with a history degree. Because it's like I just feel like that—that's something that frustrates me sometimes. You know, like uh, I wish I could just. That's the one thing, though. I, I wish I could feel what they're feeling. You know. Because for me, I, at this point, I'm like, oh, I know what that is. That's my, you know, this, this or this. I had to tell them, All right, tell me, take me a picture. Okay. Does it hurt to do this? Does it hurt to do that? I'm not a doctor. I got to tell them that, you know, always, but you know, like, okay. Once we figure it out, now I know what to do for you, you know, like, and so we can get you, we can bridge the gap to your next race, you know, but, um, but I've known the, I've, I've gone through the physical and the mental toll of that. And I know what it ta- what it kind of toll that takes on you, and it becomes like it can become such a cloud. And so I hope that I can be able to help people with that. And so like if I I could probably make a heck of a living off from coaching injured runners only, you know, and that that would be the entire uh, you know the entire business. But I like to actually see people do well too. <laughs> so
0: last question: You've been competing at a very high level now for. 20 years, even a little longer than that. You've got a few more left in you. What legacy do you hope to leave on the sport?
1: Well, I think, you know, I, I, I hope people see me as someone who's always, you know, I've always tried to do the right thing in whatever situation I was in. And whether it was, and I made mistakes along the way, but I've, I've lived and breathed the sport and I've tried to be authentic. Um, for people that I know that I have had a platform that people, um, are excited about, and, and I want them to feel like I've, I've made so many mistakes and I've made all these, you know, I've had these ups and I've had these downs, but I am who I am and I, and I've always put like everything I have into it. And so, um, and I've always tried to be like an approachable, authentic person without, um, because it's very easy to become in your own bubble, I think. And um and so I, I hope people see it going forward. I mean, I, I don't know, like, uh, looking back, I, you know, like at me, guys like me and Alan and, and Ryan, we're gonna be relics of the past at some point, but I mean, it matters how you carry yourself as much as anything else. And so um going forward, I, you know, I hope they say that guy, made a difference on American distance running or whatever, but, you know, he was a good guy. He was a good person. And so, um so I hope to try to do that, you know, and that's kind of something that I've, you know, I've always think thought is more as, as important as being good, you know, and it's something that my parents kind of instilled in me. And so it's not enough, it's not enough just to, not, not enough just to be good. I mean, like you have to treat people well, you have to, you have to, you have to do the, you know, you have to know, um, that that you have, you're in a position that makes a difference to people. Um, and so it,
0: don't take it lightly, really. I love it. I think that's a great place to put a pin in it. Um, where can listeners follow the rest of your journey toward Boston and beyond?
1: Where can they follow it? They can they can check out uh, my Twitter, check out the Hanson's Twitter page. I'm really bad. That kind of dates me again. Like I'm a little bit of a relic. I struggle with social media because I don't know, like I'm like an in-between age of, uh, you know, uh, getting you know generations. So um, I'll try to keep it. I'll try to keep it more updated um, in the coming months. But uh, um, I'm really looking forward to the Boston uh, John John Hancock Boston Field here coming up in eight weeks, and so um, we'll be training hard for the rest of the time here. And yeah, you can follow me on that.
0: And I think that's DJ Ritzenhein on. Twitter, if I'm not mistaken,
1: that's right. I have an Instagram thing, but man, I, I really struggle with that one. That's a really young person
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, david I appreciate your time. I uh, wish you the best in the rest of your Boston build up, and for the rest of you out there, thank you for listening to the Morning Shakeout podcast. You can follow along on Twitter at the AM Shakeout, and if you want to support the show, you can do that on Patreon.com/slash The Morning Shakeout. Dathan, we will catch you in Boston.
1: Cool. Thanks, Mario.
0: Thank you.